Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. And in just a little while, you will hear a lot from Penn State Director of Player Personnel, Andy Frank. He has been with James Franklin since day one here in Happy Valley, uh, followed him from Vanderbilt. So a long history uh, and a really just a, a really impressive wealth of knowledge when it comes to Penn State's approach on the recruiting trail and the transfer portal. We picked his brain on all that and plenty more over the course of our conversation with Andy, which we recorded a late night this week on Tuesday. Um, you can understand why it might take some time to, to figure out how an interview with Andy might work right now because Penn State is jam-packed once again this weekend. We've got a ton of content up at Lines 24-7. Sean Fitz dropped a jam-packed S-zone um, just moments before we recorded. I've got something up there breaking down all 13 that's right 13 official visitors who are expected to be on campus this weekend and with that the stage is set it's a big one man 13 kids uh you know you usually save those weekends for the end of the cycle but the, uh, this obviously is not a normal cycle uh penn state with some of its top targets on campus this weekend and it's going to be it's going to be a busy one see last week and, and you'll hear this when we talk to, to andy frank last week a smaller weekend of visitors but three camps two two prospect camps, three camps, as, as Andy quickly um, uh, corrected me on during our conversation. But this weekend is just one camp at the end um, and on Sunday. There's very light on unofficial visitors. So everything is geared to these official visitors. And, and you know, you look at the list and you know why. Deny Dennis Sutton, probably Penn State's biggest target at any position on either side of the ball coming up this weekend, coming off of a trip to Georgia. Uh, Nick Singleton, obviously a very big in-state target, not only for the staff, but also the rest of this class. And you just go down the list and uh, there's some mega talent coming to Penn State this weekend. Keenan Nelson, who we talked about on the first episode this week, Jaden Gold from uh, uh, from from North Jersey, his teammate Jaden Bellamy, another uh, really good cornerback. So you just move down the list and, the, and there's a lot of potential, a lot of guys that maybe you don't see the movement this weekend with uh, in terms of uh, commitments or things like that, but a lot of guys that you could definitely see ending up in Penn State's class. You may go a little further down the list. Caleb Artis is a big target from, from New York, a defensive tackle who's, you know, you look at him and you think, okay, maybe he can be an offensive tackle as well. Uh, KJ Winston, the safety from DeMatha, they've been on him a long time. Ramon Brown, if you're looking to bring in two running backs, you know, Brown and Singleton has a nice little ring to it. Um, but hey, you just keep going and going and going. 13 uncommitted guys, which is just absolutely ridiculous, but that's just a product of the situation that we are in. I think they're they're up to handling it. And as we we talked with Andy, they're they're well prepared for for the tracks that they're going to be on. That's a point worth emphasizing. Once again, all of these official visitors on committed, you're not getting any of the Penn State pledges as part of this group. Remember, later this month, you're going to see essentially the entire 2022 Penn State class get together for their official visit weekends. This time around, it's about targets and Penn State has plenty to work with. They're going to have to really implement every single 
uh, you know, facet of their staff, Sean, to, to get all these guys in and out and, and feeling good about their experience at Penn State. This is not an easy undertaking for the coaches, uh, for the recruiting assistants, all the way down to the interns. Everybody's going to have to step up this weekend. And uh, Nick Singleton getting back to Penn State. Uh, this is a guy who was at Wisconsin last weekend, spoke, spoke very uh, positively about his experience in Madison, uh, Alabama, Notre Dame still involved here, but uh, just Every time you catch up with a, a member of this Penn State class, Nick Singleton is typically the first name they mention when you talk about targets. I had a story up on Thursday about that. Um, you know, Caden Saunders was the last player I spoke to about this just a couple of days ago, and and they do feel like he is their top target on offense. I think that Dennis Sutton fits that bill on defense, and, and if you look at what you've constructed, Sean, on a monthly basis with these updated target boards, that's been reflected month by month. Um, and Singleton... Brown, uh, that has a nice ring to it. I feel like there's a lot of combinations uh, that you can bring in Petaway. Um, there's a lot of names that sound good when you talk about a running back pair for 2022. The common factor, I think, is when you envision the best, it always involves Nick Singleton. Yeah, I mean, I mean Singleton and Omer and Hampton in North Carolina, the two top guys. And then after that, you kind of you know, mix and match. And Katron Allen was in for a visit from ING last weekend. You've got George Petaway, who me- who you mentioned, Ramon Brown, Damari Alston's going to be coming up for a visit at the end of the month. So uh, plenty of good pieces to work with there. I think it's really interesting. You look at the makeup of Penn State's class right now. Uh, you got two quarterbacks, you got three receivers and a tight end, two offensive linemen. Then you go to the defensive side of the ball. There's just two guys on that side of the ball. And then of course, Alex Paquetta, the, the, the punter, um, you got Ken Talley as defensive end, uh, defensive back Tyrese Mills, uh, the Juco kid. Um, so you're looking at this visitor list and okay, it, it, it's all of a sudden making sense. Cause there's just three offensive players on the, that list with Singleton, Ramon Brown and wide receiver, Nicholas Anderson from Texas. So that defensive line or excuse me, that defensive meeting room, uh, the, those defensive coaches are going to be really busy this weekend. Yeah, defense is is a huge theme this weekend. You're seeing the crystal ball momentum build for a couple of these defensive backs. Keenan Nelson out of Philadelphia. Uh, you mentioned, of course, Jaden Gould out of New Jersey uh, getting to campus after spending time at Southern Cal. Um, and, and Sean, when you kind of review this list in totality, Singleton stands out to me. But but getting back to defense, the defensive front, John Scott Jr. step on up. You got a big weekend ahead of you. Dion Barnes is going to be part of that. But Joe Strickland coming in from Indiana. You've got Alex Van Summeren who spent 14 months committed to Michigan until February when he backed off that pledge. He was at Michigan State last weekend. Now he's going to check out Penn State, a big six-foot, uh, three-hundred-pound uh, defensive tackle. And then you mentioned Artis coming to campus, Caleb Artis out of New York, another interior defensive lineman. Deny Dennis Sutton off the edge. And, and you've got Joshua Josephs, who's probably one of the more overlooked names on this list, an edge rusher uh, out of Georgia, could play linebacker, could play defensive end at the next level. So there's a lot to work with here and we talked last episode about that surprise pickup for the 2021 class and and adding a defensive tackle there um you still got a lot to work to do in that department for the 2022 cycle two big weeks for john scott jr we've talked a lot about his recruiting and uh sort of sort of seemingly the lack of presence that he had there so 
get these guys on campus. And you mentioned he, he picked up jo- Jordan Vanderberg to add to the 2021 class earlier this week. But not only this week and the guys that you mentioned, but next week, uh, Zane Durant uh, from from Florida is a guy that's moved up the defensive tackle board. Anto Saka is probably a, a, a tweener there with the – we call him an edge guy now, um, defensive end, linebacker type guy, Tyrese Fearbury, who's a Kentucky right now. Um, so, the, you know, not only for John Scott Jr., but this front seven recruiting, um, that's where you kind of make your money in this, uh, you know, in building a championship team. And the next couple of weeks could go a long way in sort of solidifying themselves with some some top talent there. And two other names I want to bring up here, Sean, because they're they're of the long distance variety. And it's been a while since we got to see Happy Valley, uh, you know, had that influx of guys that that live so far away across the country. It's finally happening with official visits. You got Nick Anderson coming up from uh, Texas. He's a wide receiver, a four-star prospect, uh, crystal ball pointing to Notre Dame for him. And then Wesley Besanth. I I hope I'm saying that last name right. It's a tricky one for me, but he's a top 20 linebacker in 24-7 sports evaluation out of Miami Central High School. The hometown Hurricanes hope to keep him home. But Penn State will get their shot here. West Virginia had him last week. And uh, linebacker is another area that we're looking to in this 2022 class. A key point you made there, Miami wants him. Florida State wants him. So the, those Florida schools, if they want a kid, it's going to be tough to get him away. But uh, Penn State has, has forged a really good relationship with Besanth. And I, I think they can you know, continue to get some of that momentum. It's Florida recruiting. So you know, even if somebody <laughs> does grab him in June or early July. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah, stay tuned because that's how that's kind of how things work down there. Um, but yeah, Penn State, uh, you know, really, really likes him as a linebacker. They've got Omar Graham, the the other linebacker from Florida coming in next weekend. Um, so yeah, starting to starting to sort out that linebacker board and, you know, maybe feel a little bit better about where things stand. I know there's been a lot of questions, especially in our mailbag about where linebacker recruiting is going, but the Saint is, is right up there at the top of the board or among the top guys at the top of the board. And uh, he's a guy that they hope to make some movement with this weekend. Now, we don't have a ton left to dive into here because we we have a lot to talk about with Andy in just a second. We're going to save a lot of the conversation about these visits and about Penn State's approach for that. But, Sean, what else is standing out to you going into this weekend? A different complexion, certainly, than what we saw happen during the first week of June. But nonetheless, just a monumental step forward for Penn State and what they're looking to accomplish. Yeah, I, I mentioned it in my S zone. You go from uh, setting the bar last weekend to sort of the eye-opening trips now, and, and uh, you know a number of these guys. Uh, Dennis Sutton went to uh, Georgia last week. Nicholas Singleton went to uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Jaden Gold to USC. Caleb Artis to, to Auburn. So these guys have been. Some of these guys have been out and about. Um, some of these guys have Ramon Brown, I think is on his third official visit. So these guys have started to understand what an official visit is, what the expectations should be and how, how you kind of, you know, are going to get the best treatment possible. So I think that that's a good thing. Um, first impressions are one thing, but like logical impressions, if that makes any sense is, is another. And I think they're going to get that this weekend. And, you know, you hope it's just kind of a, a chain reaction. You're not going to have those commits on campus, at least to, to, our, to our knowledge at this point. Um, you're not going to have other commits uh, recruiting them, doing that kind of stuff, but you're going to get a chance to get the full attention of the staff. As we mentioned, that first camp is not till Sunday afternoon and those guys will be out of here by then. So, um, you know, you, you you put the full court press on, you see what you can do. You can sort of sell the vision and, and see what's out there for these prospects. And, and, you know, hopefully they get some returns on it. Like I said, not expecting a ton of immediate returns or anything like that. But this could be something that, you you know, a couple of weeks down the line, you're seeing sort of a wave coming from. 
And and just to reflect the official visit madness going on, and and you're going to have two guys, Kevin Winston, an athlete out of the Matha Catholic, probably going to play safety at the next level from Maryland, and then Alex Van Summeren, former Michigan commit from Michigan. They were both on campus in East Lansing together last weekend, checking out Michigan State and getting the sales pitch from the Spartans. Now these two guys, I have no idea if they'd ever met or interacted before last weekend, but second consecutive weekend, they're going to find themselves in the same facilities uh, away from home. And I think it's just interesting to, to monitor how much of a whirlwind this month really is for these 2022 recruits. Yeah, it's compare and contrast season. So it's a, I have a feeling that Winston and Van Sumer never met before, um, but it's just a just a hunch of mine. Um, but yeah, you've got, uh, like I said, Ramon Brown has been on four college campuses, I think, this month. And it's, <laughs> it's really just all over the place. It's that mad scramble that we talked about. And that's, that's another reason when I don't really expect a ton of, uh, of, of immediate gratification here in terms of commitments is because these guys waited so long and they waited till they could take visits. So you might as well end up taking those visits. That's why we think July is going to be busy, but of course you're not, you're not, uh, you're not counting on June going, uh, not being uneventful. We'll say that. Let's step inside the mindset of Penn State staff a little bit, how they have handled the past year and a half of waiting. And now that they're unleashed on the recruiting trail, what is the game plan moving forward? You'll get all that and more, including some transfer portal discussion uh, with Penn State Director of Player Personnel, Andy Frank, who was kind enough to join us this week. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Well, we've been looking forward to this conversation on the podcast for a while now. We mentioned it last week and uh, through a crazy few days, he's managed to give us some time. It's Andy Frank, who is Penn State's Director of Player Personnel, a long time spent with head coach James Franklin dating back to Vanderbilt throughout the tenure here in State College. And Andy, we really appreciate you giving us some time here and hopping on the podcast. Tyler, Sean, good to be here. It's been a hectic week for you guys. Uh, obviously, the dead period ending means tons of work for for you guys with camps, with official visitors, unofficial visitors, all that kind of stuff. Just how happy, I guess, how happy are you to see it back? And is happy the word or is it just, uh, it, it's a lot right now, right? I don't think I've found the word yet. Um, there's there's an excitement to it. There's a, a nervousness to it. Um but it's but it's been really good. Um, it, it's been a it's been crazy. That's probably the word that fits it the most. Um, we've been looking forward to it for a long time. It's been hard to to not have kids on campus. Um, you love getting kids here, interacting with them and their families, um, getting to know them and getting to you know size them up and figure out are they you know the right fit for you. And now we get a chance to do that again, which has been been good for the last you know week and a little bit of change. Andy, until we learned that June 1st was D-Day for the return of recruiting for college football, we were all anxiously waiting. And then we would see that that date get pushed back a little bit further and get pushed back a little bit further. How much preparation time went into making sure that when recruiting did relaunch for, for your staff, that you were prepared? You know, it's an interesting process because obviously, like you said, it got pushed back several times. I think each time it got pushed back, we were expecting it. So it wasn't, you know you know, unfamiliar to us that, Hey, this was coming. Um, but the hard part is no matter how much you want to plan, you know, a month ahead of time or two months ahead of time, there's just so much work that really can't be done from a preparation standpoint 
until the last week, or even some cases the last day um, before a kid comes on campus. So, you know, we did a ton of things to prepare for it, but then you're still scrambling and, and working the late nights that that week leading up to it because there's just so many things that are there's so many moving parts that are always changing who who the prospects coming with um who which prospects are coming um you may find out the night before a kid's coming you know the next morning at 10 a.m for an unofficial visit and then you got to prepare for that so um you know we did a lot to prepare leading into it but there was still so much more to be done that, that week of of the first visits before we jump into what it takes to get a weekend like this weekend together, um, I mean, what have you guys seen over the last 15 months? You mentioned it's so hard without getting uh, guys on campus at Penn State, visitors and campers and all that kind of stuff. What, what was really the hardest challenge from your I – th- I think we all see it on the surface level, what, how that kind of went. But what's the hardest thing that you guys had to deal with with just this whole mess in the last 15 months? You know, it, it's an evolving process. Um you, know, you always have to be learning and seeing what's going on out there. Um, the building, the relationship aspect of things was was different. Um, I think there was some actually some really good things that came out of this time for us in terms of how to build relationships with kids that are maybe further away. I think in some ways our reach was able to expand uh, maybe more than it would have had it, you know, had there been visits. Um, kids that, you know, we would have recruited and then they might have taken three or four visits somewhere else and kind of, you know, fallen out of favor with us. Um, now we were able to talk to them for a longer period of time and they were able to get to know us. We were able to get to know them. And now, you know, we're going to get, you know, one of their potentially five official visits this summer. And I think we're really in on some of those kids. Whereas in a normal year, they might not have, you know, stayed with us as long enough to, to find out that we might be the right place for them. So I think that relationship piece was, was obviously a challenge. Then the evaluation piece is a, is a real challenge. Um, we've always relied heavily on camps. We didn't have that last year. Um, so we had to go back to, you know, we always try and you know check as many boxes, if you will, on every kid. Um, and camp is one of those significant boxes. We didn't have that. So we tried our best to you know find kids that we felt like we knew as much information about as we possibly could and not take the flyers on kid that, hey, he, he may have you know one area that he's really good in, but we don't know three or four others. Uh, we did our best to, to find guys that we had as full of pictures you possibly could in, in this scenario. How excited was the Penn State coaching staff, particularly those position guys who were added last year or added this offseason? They haven't had a chance to get face-to-face with prospects. They were to, recruited essentially an entire cycle without doing that. How much anticipation was there in the building leading up to this past weekend? Yeah, I think everybody was excited, um, especially, like you said, those position coaches who, in several of the cases, really probably had never been on a visit here at Penn State. Um, we had a couple of guys that got here um, towards the end. We had a, a, a visit right before COVID hit, um, but a good chunk of these guys had never seen one. And we, we kind of we were joking around the other day, you know, this weekend, what percentage of the people that were involved in our organization um, you know, running this weekend were actually ever here for a camp or ever here for a visit? And if you take the, you know, the, the big picture, that percentage is probably pretty low. So we were all, you know, all the folks that have been here before trying to make sure we had the plans laid out. And um, I think Destiny Rodriguez did a great job with the, the official visits and the unofficial visits. I think things ran as, as smoothly as you can in a, in a very challenging time. So these guys have not heard James post-camp speech to, the, to, to everyone? They had never heard it. They didn't even know how we break up our post-camp, uh, our, our post-camp by area. We had to go through all that stuff with them. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, so so how about this weekend coming together? You had official visitors, unofficial unofficial visitors, two camps. How do you balance which days get which uh, emphasis? And and I guess you're bringing those guys in on a Thursday or Friday, keeping them until Sunday for the official. Just what's the balancing act like this on a on a weekend like that? Yep. So I'm going to correct you off the jump here. We had three camps this weekend, but uh, two two prospect camps. So yeah, we we had a lot lot going on. Um, how we balance it, you know, you know, destiny handled the planning, uh, primary planning of all the official visits, um, did a great job, did the same thing for, for the unofficial visits. Um, and then everybody else obviously chips in a- along the way to, to make that happen. Um, you know, I handled a, a good chunk of what happened with the camps in terms of planning. Um, then everybody else again, you know, chips in to make it, to make it all happen. Um, and then from there, we all kind of, everybody has their role and everybody, it's interesting when you've been with the staff for a long time. Sometimes you can just know and do things because you've been doing it together for a long time. And there are still people that are on the staff that that's the case with, but there's a huge chunk that that wasn't the case with this time. Um, so we have to, you know, obviously disseminate that message to everybody and give people that, you know, what, what their roles are. And, and I think you did a great job. Um, it was, it was a scramble. We did a, we did have a lot going on, um, but I think it was a great start to, to this June season here. Was that a lighter official visit weekend by design because of that? Yes, it was. Um, we, we went smaller numbers this weekend um, and had other things going on. It's interesting, though, in a way, numbers, they matter and they matter a lot in terms of how challenging a weekend can be. But probably the, the bigger factor in how challenging a weekend can be is how many different paths you have going. When I say paths, um, for instance, if you have you know, three official visitors versus 15 official visitors. If there's only one, you know, path and all 15 are kind of going the same way versus three going the same way, it's not much different. Um, there's, there are some more things that go into it, but when you have, you know, three camps going on, you have essentially two junior days going on at different days. Um, you have other unofficial visitors going on. Um, and then you have, you know, the official visits it's, it's a lot of different things and, and transitioning from one to the other. If you're a position coach, you're, you know, you're going from an official visit meal to an unofficial visit welcome to a um, position meeting for back to the official visitor. And then you're going over to camp and you're doing testing. That's a lot of transitions. And that's, that's where the challenges come in because you got to know where you're going and you got to help lead people um, the way they're supposed to be going. Andy, there was a lot of focus on the the coaching staff changes in December and January into the winter, but there were some moves we got into late February, early spring. Allen's of Midas coming back to campus, former Penn State standout. And then Kenny Sanders, a familiar name for anyone who follows Nittany Lions recruiting after he goes elsewhere for a couple of years. He's back in the fold. Can you talk about how those pieces came together and what what you think they do for this program? Yeah, you're t- talking you know, specifically about Kenny and Alan, um, two really, really good recruiters. Um, they're really good at connecting with kids and their families um, and, and bringing you know, both of them essentially back to Penn State is, is a great thing for us. Um, we also hired Chris Mann, who we call Slim um, on staff here, who was, was a student here, was an intern for us. So in recruiting, it's actually interesting. While we had a, a lot of new people in, in the recruiting department, there was a lot of Penn State knowledge capital in the people that we added to the department. Um, so from that standpoint, that was a huge advantage to us. Um, when you get some of the other folks, you know, at, at, at tight ends coach, Ty Hall, again, a guy who had you know Penn State capital, um, but some of the other folks didn't have that knowledge. And so it's all brand new for them. But on the recruiting staff, it was great getting, getting those guys back here. 
um, and, and getting rolling. And it's really, I think, helped lift us in terms of the relationships that we have with, with prospects um, moving forward. With some familiar names there, but but obviously your staff and, and the staff here in State College has changed tremendously since you first arrived and, and James Franklin first arrived. How would you say that has all kind of played into the way this program evaluates talents, pursues talents, offers talent, and, and, and then ultimately brings guys in with those recruiting classes? What are the biggest changes in the way you've evaluated the prospects here in the seven plus years with Penn State? Um, well, starting with COVID, obviously you had to evaluate with less, you know, in-person, um, interactions, um, not, you don't have the camp measurements, you don't have, um, evals, that type of deal. Um, but in terms of just an overall evolution of it, I, I don't want to say we haven't changed because, because we have, we've evolved. And I think we've tried to extend our, our reach to, you know, further territories and, and you know, obviously down into Florida, um, we've kind of, you know, reached out there, um, but the core principles, I don't, I don't think they've changed that much. It's, it's about finding guys that are a good fit for, for this place that are a good fit for our coaching staff. Uh, you know, coach talks all the time about, you know, the core values and you got to find kids that are willing to embody that and, and want to embrace um, what it's going to be like to be a, a Penn state football player. Um, and so we, we've always looked, always looked for that. Um, and I think we've, we've found it um, in, in, in most of the kids that we've signed here. Um, and, and so in terms of, you know, dramatic changes, you know, I think people would point this, this season to, you know, the transfer portal, um, in some ways it's a change of philosophy, but more, it's just growing with, you know, what is out there. Um, in reality, the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule, it changed nothing and it changed everything, um, in the sense that, um, yeah, kids were getting waivers, um, and, and so there were a lot of kids becoming eligible, um, even without the one-time transfer rule. Um, but what it, that was doing is you didn't know for sure you were going to get it. So I, I think the quality of transfer wasn't as good. Um, whereas this season, when we looked in that transfer portal, the, the quality of player was, in our opinion, much better. And so I think that's where, you know, we wanted to strike was, Hey, there's kids that we really think that are in that portal that can come to Penn state and help us win games at, at a very high level. Um, if you look back in the past, yes, there was one guy here and one guy there, but in terms of the volume of guys that could come and contribute on Penn state's roster in the past, there hadn't really been that volume. So how's that going to impact numbers going forward? Obviously, we, we ask you every signing day about the numbers for the next class and usually have a pretty good ballpark of where you guys are going to end up. But how does that change your numbers, say, for the 2021 and then, of course, moving into the 2022 class? Um, well, we'll we'll evaluate, evaluate it, we'll study it, and we'll try and get a feel for what it means uh, moving forward. I do think just as a general rule of thumb, there's pro- we're probably going to try and keep room for three, four, you know, transfers, um, you know, right around signing day. And then after that, you evaluate what happens with your roster. Um, this spring, we had very, very little attrition this spring. Um, so what we might've thought was, Hey, there's going to be a, a few more, you know, possible transfers coming in. There wasn't as much attrition as you might normally have, which is, a, which is a great sign for our program right now. So we weren't as probably active in the spring and to be honest, there wasn't as many candidates out there that we felt like were really going to help us. Um, whereas in the, you know, at the end of the winter there, there were, you know, a number of guys and, and so far from what we've seen through spring ball um, and workouts, we've been really, really happy with the guys that we've gotten.
I'm not sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the the challenges that you face with the initial counter hard cap rule and how that's going to affect the transfer your, your approach to bringing in transfers. Can you sort of talk about the the challenges that you face and how you guys have handled just that that, that whole balance? Yeah, so I mean, kind of give people a lay of the land. You get 85 scholarships, and, you know, at any one time on your roster, and then you can sign 25 guys in a year. Now, there's some, you know caveats that you can carry guys over from different years um, when it comes to that 25. Um, But, you know, how do you manage it? You know, the 85 is probably in some ways the trickier number because you just don't know who's coming and who, you know, who's coming, you don't know who's going. Um, And so you're trying to figure out based on history, you know, what, how many guys per year um, are likely to leave. And does this year feel like it's going to be a a similar year to past years? Then you, you project that because you have to, when we set in February what our number is going to be for the for that next signing class, we're setting it a long ways away from when we have to be back to that 85 number. Really, we're setting that number about a year and a half away from when you actually have to be to that 85 because you don't have to be back to that 85 until the end of July, early August when you get started with camp. So um, you're trying to look off of historical numbers. And, and the one good thing is when you look in bigger windows of time, um, there's less variability because it just has happened, you know, the last 10 years, it's, you know, the averages kind of play themselves out, even though you don't necessarily know who the, the kids are that are likely to, to transfer. Um, but you, you see that year after year, it tends to be very similar. Um, and then you start to see, you know, a, a, the transfer portal goes into effect and that number changes that first year. And then you kind of see it go back to, back to kind of the norm. Another ramification of what we witnessed in the past year and a half is this six-year senior. It used to be a rare thing to see in college football. Now it's going to be something we see like year after year after year for a bit because of that paused eligibility clock. We saw some mixed results with the, with those uh, players in that category coming out of Penn State last winter. What's the approach f- for you, for James Franklin and the staff? Because there's going to be abundant abundance of these kind of guys year after year now. Yeah, there, there will be. Um, and, you know, the, in terms of the abundance that will stay on a roster, you know, this year we had two that fall into that category. Um, and I think those two guys are really going to have a chance to help us, um, obviously, in, in, in Brisker and Castro Fields. I, I don't anticipate that we will have a large number of 60-year guys on our roster um, because we hope we're recruiting at a high enough level um, that a lot of the guys will have NFL opportunities after their fourth or fifth, either third, fourth or fifth year. Um, and so then what ends up happening is the guys that, you know, don't have those opportunities and, and Brisker and Castro fields are kind of that unique situation where they, they had that opportunity. They were just trying to, to better it. Um, but they were also guys that, that did not redshirt essentially. Um, so they're really more fifth year players than they are sixth year players. Um, so I, I think we'll we'll have a couple a year, um, hopefully, because I think you you like to have that veteran you know leadership and, and some you know good older players in your roster. But I don't think that number is going to be, even though maybe there's going to be 15, 20 guys that have the opportunity to do it. I don't see that number staying quite that high. And if I could go from the the oldest guys on your roster to some of the youngest, James Franklin said during spring camp that uh, he felt like Kalen King was the most advanced freshman he's seen. And he's been here on campus for a while. Um, Speaking about Penn State freshmen, I think this is the seventh class that he's seen come in for a spring ball. I I know that Franklin doesn't make those kind of comments lightly. No one on the staff does. What have you all seen in those facilities to, to make Franklin comfortable enough to go public with a comment like that? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he was extremely impressive in spring ball. Um, and obviously, his whole career is still out in front of him. He hasn't played a game at Penn State. Um, and has a lot still to accomplish and a, and a lot still to achieve here. Um, but he, he was really impressive. The game was slow to him. Um, a lot of freshmen, particularly, you know, mid-year guys, there's just so much going on on the football field. It's, it's too fast. There's also, for a lot of these guys, too much going on in life um, that it just, you can tell that they're not the athlete that you saw on high school tape. But what ends up happening is once the game slows down, they start to understand a little better, that athlete you saw on high school tape shows up on on, on the college field. For Kalen, it was walk out there and it just, I don't want to say easy because that's that's not fair to the kid, um, but it was it, it was one of those things where it was slow for him. There there was no panic moments. He doesn't panic. Um, you know he runs well, but he's not an elite speed guy. But this the heat. Everything is in front of him. He's seeing all of it, um, and and he's patient with it. And it makes you know it makes for you know, a really good football player. Staying in that 2021 class, how do you go about uh, about evaluating a guy like Harrison Wallace? Um, obviously, he's a, a guy. One, I think the one guy that you got you guys signed that never made it to campus. How do you go about doing that in, in the COVID era? Yeah, uh, interesting. Is you know you, you're obviously scouring the country. You know what what positions you still need, and, and obviously wide receiver for us at the time when we went after him was was a position of need for us. And we were look, kind of looking everywhere. Um, you know, he popped onto the radar screen and then you, you watch his football tape and it's good. It, it's, it's really good, but you, you really probably got to put in the, the, the basketball film to really feel like this guy is an elite athlete. And when you start putting those, those things together and you kind of, you know, as college coaches, it's funny, but as college football coaches, we love a good dunk tape and he's got a really good one. So um, you, you watch some of that stuff and you see the different skills um, and, and you just see a guy that, that has a ton of upside. Um, you know, he's, he's right at about six foot and he, he, he can, he can jump out of the gym and, and he's shown that since he's been here. You guys have had a bunch of good dunk tapes. What's the best one that's come across your desk? Who trying to think back, you know, we put together that video this year with, with all the incoming guys. I, I I'd say Trey or Harrison is, is, you know, maybe the best one we had this year. Um, but we've had some good ones. I want to tap into to your history here a little bit too, because you have, you know, I know you guys think everybody who signs a scholarship or accepts a scholarship from you is worthy of it. And you have high hopes for, it. but when you look at your time here at Penn state, are there, uh, is there a player or two that when you look at, at their high school evaluation versus how they're careering it up, they just so far exceeded the expectations that even your staff had. Um, it kind of, like you said, to start with, you know, every kid that we signed, we thought had had that potential. Um, and so I'm trying to, you know, rack my brain of a guy that would say, Hey, you know, outperformed, you know, what we might've thought, um, you know, I, an easy one is Saquon in, in the sense that, yeah, we thought he was going to be great, but I don't think you could ever project someone to be that good. Um, so if I was sitting here saying, you know, I know when, when that class happened, it was, you know, there were, you know, a lot of conversations on, you know, how is this, you know, the careers of these guys going to go and his just obviously took off and, um, had had a great career here. So he, he's a guy that, you know, jumps to our mind on a lot of things. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy that, you know, really pops off the screen at me as uh, maybe off a of high school tape. You might not have necessarily seen it coming. Um, 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'll, I'll, I'll come yeah. back to one. I'll, I'll think of another one as we get going along. I know, it's, I know, it's, it's a loaded good. question, and and when in doubt, Saquon Barkley is usually a pretty good answer for whatever exactly <laughs> whatever trivia question you got. You use that one. You might get a good chance of being G- right. Given where you've been in the last week, it's probably unfair of us to uh, ask you to go into your working memory because you've got so many other other things going on. Um, so, one more thing with with the recruiting, what's James been like through all this? Because last year we saw what we saw on the field coaching, all that kind of stuff was not the the person, the coach that we've grown to know over the last seven years. How is he handling coming back to sort of a normalcy with get, getting guys on campus? Everybody says he's at his best when, when guys are on campus, that's what he, when he can do his job the best. How has he come along in the last couple of weeks, months, just to get back to, to this? He's a re- relationship person. Um, and so being able to be back in front of people um, and, and be able to connect with with prospects, with the staff, with our players, um, there was just a, a wall up for all of us. Um, I think that's not necessarily a football thing. That's a you know worldwide. There's a barrier between all of us over the last year and however many months. Um, and, and now that we're getting kids back on campus in our world, that kind of breaks down that barrier and kind of you can kind of get the the feel of people, you can see their interactions, you can see the facial expressions now in some cases because they're vaccinated and they don't have to wear a mask. And, and so some of those things, um, I think for him, that's where he gains his energy. Um, and I think that that's, you know, brings his energy out. And I think, like you said, he's at his best when people are on campus. It's because he has that interaction with them and they have that interaction back. Well, we've got a, a lot to learn about this program in the next few months. Andy, you are there every single day. I'll leave you with this one. Uh, 15 spring practices, that puts you ahead of where you were at this point last year. Players interacting face-to-face, socializing, they were split up this time last year. Just how much further along is team chemistry for the 2021 version of the Nittany Lions versus the 2020 version? Yeah, again, the, the relationship piece of things, that barrier being broken down, Um the, the restrictions being, I don't want to use the word lifted, but this being loosened slowly, but surely um, there was just a, a tension that was in the air um, from everything as related to COVID. And that tension is starting to subside. And I think that's bringing us a lot closer um, as an organization. Um, and I think that's been really good for us. I think the players are in a really good spot. I think the coaches are in a really good spot. Um, and I think that those interactions have, have been, you know, something that's been fun to see, you know, that this spring um, as we lead into next year. 
with uh, with recruiting, um, sorry, I, I think Tyler was kind of closing, but I wanted to get back <laughs> into this because the next big thing coming up with recruiting, name, image, and likeness is going to be something that the people are saying are going to change is going to change the game over the next however many years. Um, what are you guys lining up for that? How how are you guys handling the questions from r- recruits, their parents, and everything like that? Of what of what Penn State can provide with a name, image, and likeness uh, seemingly upcoming. Yeah, I mean, it's it's coming um, and it is going to change. It's going to change how college football um, is perceived. It's going to change how college football recruiting takes place. Um, and it's it's one of those things. It's kind of exciting at a place like Penn State where the brand is so big. You have so many followers um, and people that are passionate about Penn State football that now can help make us a better program. And it's going to take you know, all of the alumni, um, in terms of, you know, whether it's, they are a CEO of a company and potentially, you know, using one of our players as a, a sponsor or whatever it may be. I think there's a, a wide variety. It may be cameo and, you know, because, you know, Trace McSorley is, you know, somebody's daughter's favorite player, you know, paying for a cameo, you know, shout out type of deal, all of those things that how big our brand is, um, gives us a you know a great chance in this new new way of, of of college football recruiting, and I think it is going to be the new way of college football recruiting. And you guys have had a lot of success in terms of social media reach. I know Skull Sparks puts out their stuff every so often. Penn State's usually right at the top of it. How do you guys use that aspect in terms of extending a player's personal brand? Yeah, I mean, you, you show you show the kids the numbers from a recruiting perspective. You, you know, it's it's interesting the, the class that we've um, you know just signed and the class that we've got committed. You know, we've actually worked to help them become verified. So at, at a very early age, they're able to capitalize off of um, their exposure as a Penn State commit to start with, um, and then ultimately a, a Penn State football player, um, and, and trying to grow that brand. I think you probably saw it. You know, earlier on, uh, probably six months, eight months ago, we started you know tagging players and things that you know, we hadn't done before. You know, just helping grow. Um, their popularity and you know, their followers, because there's going to be a direct correlation between how many followers you have, how many impressions you have um, as an individual um, in terms of how much money you're going to be able to make. And like you said, the skull sports and, and how high up we are on the rankings, whatever it may be, whether it's the weekly rankings, whether it's the, you know, the, the yearly rankings, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, um, it, it doesn't matter when you look at that top 10 list um, in, in a lot of cases, that top three list, you're, you're seeing Penn state over and over again. How much would it hurt a program that's, that's scared of that? Like that doesn't want to embrace I mean, versus uh, just jumping in full bore. I know some States are already passing legislation. Other States are kind of dragging their feet. How much do you think that that's, that's going to benefit those States and programs in those States? And on the flip side, if you're hesitant to get into it, what's that going to do for recruiting for the next couple of years? Yeah, you better be all in. If you don't think name, image, and likeness is going to have a significant impact on the quality of prospects that you can recruit, you're fooling yourself. And as a program, if you don't buy in as an overall you know, university and football program, you don't invest the time and energy and resources to it. You do risk the, you know, you do risk falling behind, um, and I, I think, you know, we've got a great foundation here. Um, obviously, the, the living, the living alumni, the, you know, just how popular this brand is, um, is is a huge head start for us. But we also have to keep on going and keep pushing forward because if if you don't push forward, um, you, you do run the risk of getting left behind, and that that's all areas. But I think name and likeness is is maybe extreme extreme case of it. 
Andy Frank in year eight with Penn State, director of player personnel. And if there's one thing I learned overall, Andy, from this interview, it's that the job description under director of player personnel, it goes very long. It's a long list of things that you're responsible for. And uh, we, we'll let you get back to it because we know it's a busy time of the year. So thanks for taking some time uh, and, and kind of breaking it down and detailing it with us. All right. Appreciate it, guys. It's fun. Just a ton of content there um, and insight provided by Andy Frank, who, again, you know, stepped aside late on a Tuesday evening when they've got a lot to work on. So we appreciate that. Sean, uh, before we move forward and wrap this episode up, uh, anything particularly stand out from that discussion with Andy? No, no, I think that we'll have time to, uh, it's been so long since we talked. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, the name, image and likeness stuff, certainly very interesting there at the end. Um, it's, it's a busy time for these guys. Like I said, we're, we're just grateful for, for Andy to make some time for us. Uh, apologies to our, our, our listeners. We tried to bring that to you last week, but, uh, it's a busy, busy time for everyone. We will wrap things up here with a five-star mailback question, and it's simple and to the point. This one is very timely as well, and it, it addresses one of the visitors this week. Um, I was just reading up on Jaden Gold's official visit to Southern Cal last weekend, and it certainly sounds like he enjoyed the California vibes. Should Penn State be worried? I'll preface this by saying right now, Penn State, the unanimous favorite in the crystal ball to pick his commitment up. Still like Penn State here. Um, still like Penn State. Still like them probably fairly soon. Um, that's the thing to remember about these these official visits. These kids really haven't been many places, at least uh, to meet the coaching staffs to do these things. So every visit, every official visit is going to be amazing. I mean, everybody's going to have a great time, the best time, uh, you know, set the bar is what I said earlier. So I I hesitate to read too much into a ton of comments. Now there's certainly reporting to be done and, and, you know, sources to be vetted and things like that to, to say, okay, a guy like Denai Dennis Sutton had a great trip to Georgia. Well, how great was it? You know, that, that those are the sort of things that you got to sort of squeeze at and, and, and go for. So, but, but gold is a guy that still feel pretty good about. Don't know where he's going to play at the next level. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Is he an outside linebacker? It's hard to say. He's a big kid. He's a lot bigger than you think he is. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see where that fits. I'm curious to see, you know, if he does jump on board, how that affects other corners, how that affects the other safeties, athletes, and other positions. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel pretty good about Penn State right on, on that one. A word to the wise for all of our readers out there, our listeners out there. Um, when you read these follow-up interviews and stories after official visits, like Sean just said, you are not going to hear kids crap all over a coaching staff or a school after they and their parents just got flown out expenses free to that college and shown the very best parts of what that school has to offer for 48 hours and were treated, uh, you know, like a top tier recruit. So you're going to get a lot of excitement coming out of these visits. The goal is to get into July. When guys calm down a little bit, sit down and make that decision at the kitchen table with mom and dad, how much does your experience stand out on that totem pole? Yeah, it's uh, it's all very interesting stuff. Like I said, there's there's something to be gained by by the post interview or the, excuse me, the post visit interviews and things like oh, that. Oh, we do it all the time. Uh, of course, we do it all, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and read them and read them multiple times if you want. Click on them, <laughs> do do everything. Check out our you know site. Uh, but uh, no, it's a uh, it's always it's always fun to go back. And you're right, nobody's gonna do that. And if they do, please send it to us because we're gonna enjoy <laughs> reading it because that that does not happen often. 
No, it doesn't. Uh, well, that's going to do it on this episode. We're going to have a ton to, to delve through and next week in episode number one coming out of this weekend. We'll see if Penn State expands its 2022 class at all. At all. If new offers go out from some of the camp action, you know we'll be covering it online, 247.com. And if you follow throughout the week, it was another big week of recruiting coverage about last week's visits, about last week's camps, about new offers, and the target board continues to change. So it's a great time to be following us, not only here on the podcast, but over at line247.com. Um, Sean, enjoy your weekend. As I said, (laughs) we'll get back at it early next week with another episode. On behalf of him, thank you to Andy. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.